Has anyone ever told you that you're full of it? I know I've had somebody tell me that before. You know, for those of us who call ourselves Christians, we've been accused of being full of it a lot, haven't we? I mean, it's it's kind of a rough time to be a Christian. We've been accused of being full of judgment, full of hypocrisy, full of exclusivity, and sometimes full of pretty bad taste in music. And and I have to say, man, there's some really bad Christian worship music out there. So at least one of those critiques of being full of something, I guess, is well-deserved. Well, we're in a series called The Power of Words. And um, there is one thing that our words need to be full of. Like if we're going to be great communicators, if we're going to be awesome in our relationships and how we communicate, our words need to be full of this one thing we're going to talk about today. Now, before we go there, I want to just review where we were last week. Last week, we talked about how to avoid miscommunication. And we looked at some words from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 4.29. And if there's only one verse in the entire Bible that you should commit to memory when it comes to communication, this is it. Paul says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. We talked about that word unwholesome, that it really means words that are unhelpful and also words that are unhealthful, words that aren't healthy, they're bad, they're destructive. And last week, we talked about these unhelpful words. These are really where most miscommunication comes from. Because unlike unhealthful words, unhelpful words are coming from a good place. We have good intentions with our words. But when we go to speak those words, we go to pour our words into somebody else. Um, if we're not thinking about how they're wired and their needs what oftentimes happens is, yeah, some of our words are helpful, but a lot of the words are actually pretty useless. And in fact, it can end up our words make a big mess. But if we can understand how the other person is wired, we can understand their needs, right? We talked about um, understanding people's temperaments, their unique wirings. And um, we talked about four categories of, of people. There's, there's yellows who are about people and fun. There's reds who are about power and control. There's greens who are about calm and harmony. And there's blues that are about perfection and order. And if we can speak according to the needs, according to the temperaments of those around us, those things act like a funnel to be able to take our words and, and perfectly channel them to where we want them to go so that the people around us will be built up according to their needs. Now, I want to encourage you, if you didn't get a chance last week to go and take that online temperament assessment, please make sure that you do that today. There's a link on your screen and also in your notes. And this Thursday night at 8 p.m., you're not going to want to miss this. Kathleen Edelman, who is the creator of I Said This, You Heard That, is going to be with us live on Zoom Thursday at 8 to, to do a talk called 60 Minutes to Better Communication, where we're going to take a deep dive into these temperaments and help you to be a better communicator according to the needs of everyone in your life. You're not going to want to miss it. Now, in this verse, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we're not to use unwholesome words that tear people down, but we're to use words that are helpful for building them 
up. Now, I want to look at these four different temperaments and look specifically according to the needs of others and how we can make sure we're building up instead of tearing down. So we're going to start with yellows. And what I want blues especially to pay attention to is, uh, is, is just how yellows are wired, okay? Because what we find is a lot of times that opposites attract. And so yellows and blues tend to be drawn to one another, either as friends or a lot of times in marriage. So yellows, two ways to build up a yellow. First is listen to their stories. Yellows are great storytellers. Second, make eye contact. When they're, when they're talking to you, pay attention to them. You see, yellows, they're, they're people and fun, man. They walk into a room and they light it up. And what you can do for a yellow to build them up is light up for them. Focus on them. Pay attention to them. Now, you may tear down a yellow by being too serious or demanding perfection. And, and blues, you gotta be really careful with those couple of things. Also, I will say this, um, if you are on a spontaneous date or an activity with a yellow, you've got to be really careful that you don't get into this mode of kind of analyzing the activity to talk about how it could be even better because, man, that just sucks the life out of a yellow. They're not worried about all those details. They're just having fun. So be careful not to do that. Now, let's talk about blues for a minute. And again, yellows, you're going to want to pay attention here. Two ways to build up a blue. Uh, one is notice when they need support. And when they do need support, find out, hey, how can I support you? And also encourage their creativity. Blues are really, really creative. We want to draw that out of them. That's energizing for them. Also, I will say this. I have never met a blue who doesn't love time to process. So make sure you're giving blues process time. Now, you may tear down a blue by dismissing their emotions. You got to remember, blues are pretty sensitive, right? And, and so you want to just make sure you're careful with that. And infringing upon their space and their silence. Blues need downtime. Make sure that you're respecting that space and silence. And um, I'll tell you, if you work with a blue... Uh, one thing that's really important that you don't do is if, if a blue coworker comes to you and they've done all kinds of research on something, they're presenting data, man, make sure that you don't just ever just casually dismiss that data and make a decision based on just instinct or intuition, man. That, that, that is an absolute deal breaker for a blue. Now, let's talk about greens. And again, uh, opposites attract here. So, so reds especially, I want you to be paying attention to ways to build up a green, okay? First, be kind in your criticism. Um, that whole compliment sandwich thing, man, greens really appreciate that. And ask a green's opinion. Greens tend not to vocalize their opinions. They just want to go with the flow, but they really love to be asked and they actually need to be asked many times. Now, I will say as a green, and this is particularly important if you're a red, um, when you get upset, and reds, I know sometimes you can have the tendency to, to get upset, okay? When you get upset, the way that you can, can build up a green is do anything you can to remain calm. Like take a deep breath, count to 10, do whatever it is you can do. But the more calm that you can be, the more a green will appreciate that. They love peace and harmony. 
Now, you may tear down a green by expecting things to get done on your time frame rather than theirs, and by not listening when a green does speak up. When they speak up, you got to listen to what a green has to say. And um, I'll, I'll give you one more. And if, if you really want to demotivate a green, give them a deadline. Give them an ultimatum without asking for any of their input or buy-in. Greens really need to be involved in the process. Now, Let's talk about reds. I know reds, we saved you till the end. You were probably wondering, why didn't, why didn't I get to go first? All right. Well, here's the deal. And greens especially pay attention. All right. To our red friends, two ways to build up a red. Give them something to be in control of. Reds are natural born leaders. Let them lead. Put them in charge of something and recognize their work. Reds love to be valued for their efforts. And, and I would say even in addition to that, um, not just putting a red in charge of something, but figure out a way that you can get on board, that you can be in with what that red is doing. And that is so energizing to a red. Now, you may tear down a red by making decisions for them. <laughs> Don't ever do that, okay? Reds love to make decisions. And you can tear down a red by not doing what you'll say you'll do. Um, man, that drives reds crazy. In fact, to my yellow friends out there, not doing what you'll say you'll do on time, being late, man, reds take that so personally. They see it as deeply disrespectful. So make sure you do not do that to a red. Now, speaking to build others up according to their needs is so important. And, you know, if we do this, it will revolutionize our communication. It will revolutionize our relationships, but there's actually a bigger reason why we should speak this way. And uh, Paul actually touches upon it in the very last part of this verse. Check this out. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. That. Now, when you see the word that in the scriptures, it often indicates something called a purpose clause. And that purpose clause basically answers the question, why? Why in everything that was said before, why do we need to do that? So when Paul says that we're only to do what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, you know, obviously we do that because it's going to benefit us. It's going to benefit our relationships. But there's something even bigger that's going on. The reason that we do that is so that, check this out, it may benefit those who listen. That is why we're supposed to speak these words that build up according to other people's needs, to benefit those who listen. You know, that word benefit comes from the root of two Greek words, didomi and charis. Didomi literally means to give or to administer. And charis you may have heard that word before. That is the word grace. It's the grace of God. And so literally, the reason that we are to do this is to administer grace. See, our words are supposed to administer grace to others. They're supposed to be full of something. They're supposed to be full of grace. Now, I recently discovered something pretty amazing at my local grocery store, right in the freezer section. And uh, if you have a sweet tooth like me, you're going to want to pay attention, okay? I discovered mini chocolate eclairs. Now, 
these things, it's, it's like basically having a French bakery right in the freezer section of your grocery store. It's incredible. Check these things out. Not only do they look amazing and not only are they, are they so small, they're practically guilt free, but Man, when you bite into one of these chocolate eclairs, it is like your mouth got just dropped into heaven. I mean, that creamy middle is absolutely incredible because it's full of this creamy goodness. And our words are supposed to be the same. They're supposed to be full of goodness, full of grace. Now, here's why that's so important. Because Grace is at the very heart of Christianity. In fact, if we couldn't call it Christianity, if you couldn't have the word Christ in Christianity and you had to call it something else, which I know is total blasphemy, right? But just, just go with it for a second. If, if instead it was called something different, it would be called Gracianity. Okay, that's how, that's how essential grace is to the Christian life. We wouldn't be called Christians. We'd be called Gracians. Because you see, Christianity, it's not a system of do's and don'ts. Christianity is actually a system of grace. It's about receiving the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And then it's about extending that grace to other people. That's actually why Jesus, in his final command to his disciples and to you and me, He basically sums up the entire Christian life in one sentence. This is what he says, John 13, 34. He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Basically, he's saying, as I have loved you selflessly, sacrificially, by grace, that is how you're supposed to in turn love everyone else by grace. Now, I think sometimes we kind of overcomplicate things when we think about, you know, how do, how do I love like Jesus love? And we think, you know, you gotta like go on a mission trip or, you know, give all your money to the poor, do some amazing act of kindness. And, and maybe you're like me. Maybe at times you even feel guilty that you're not, you know, loving more like Jesus loved. I, I gotta tell you, you can love like Jesus loved every single day. In fact, you can love With every single word that you speak, it just needs to be full of something. It needs to be full of grace. I want to ask you, are your words full of it? Are your words grace-filled? Do they give grace to everyone who hears them? Now, you may be thinking about that and you think, you know what? I do that pretty well. I, I give a lot of grace in my words, but I want to, I want to really challenge you on this one because I think when we think about our relationships, um, especially when we think about kind of our outer circle of influence, uh, acquaintances, friends, coworkers, um, we do a pretty good job of, of giving people grace when we speak. But I want you to think for a minute about your closest circle, your innermost circle. Um, I want you to think, are you giving grace-filled words to those who are closest around you. Because oftentimes, that's our biggest struggle. That's our biggest challenge is to speak words full of grace to those who are most important to us. And if I could just kind of give you one practical uh, tip here. Um, How can you get to know those in your inner circle and how they're wired. How can you really make sure that you're thinking about their needs? I would, I would encourage you. If, um, if you've taken that temperament assessment, 
Um, maybe, maybe you could send that link on to, to somebody in your life and encourage them to take it so that you could really be able to get to know them and how they're wired and their unique needs so that you could be speaking grace-filled words to them. Now, you may be thinking, well, Derek, it's great to be speaking grace-filled words, but when I think about my inner circle, I mean, some of those people, they need some truth, man. I know you reds out there, you're like, come on, wh- when are we going to talk about the truth? Well, just a few verses earlier in Ephesians 4.15, Paul actually talks about the fact that we need to speak the truth in love. And Jesus is actually described as one who was full of both grace and truth. So yes, truth is so important. You know, my wife, Becky, is an emergency room nurse, and uh, and many years ago, there was a guy who came into the emergency room and he was pretty drunk and he was complaining about intense stomach pain. And so uh, they started, you know, working this guy up and, and doing all these tests and asking him a whole bunch of questions. And uh, man, they couldn't find anything wrong with this guy. Like he was, he was in perfect health and they looked at all of his vital signs and everything and they just couldn't figure out what was going on. All these different tests came back negative and still the guy's in tremendous pain. And so finally they said, you know what, let's, let's just take an x-ray of his stomach. So they take an x-ray and you know what the x-ray showed? He had a metal fork in his stomach. The guy had swallowed a metal fork. <laughs> now, you know what his problem was? Well, obviously he's got a fork stuck in his stomach. That's his problem. But the problem was that he was denying the reality of his situation. He was denying the truth of what was happening. Now, would it have been a good idea for those medical professionals to come back to him full of words of only grace saying, hey, you know what? It's fine. You're going to be good. You know, just just go on home. I'm, I'm sure everything's going to work out. No, of course not. What did they have to do? They had to hold up the truth of that x-ray and say, man, you got a fork stuck in your stomach, man. Now, by the way, that would have been a really good thing for him to share when they asked him, like, do you have anything different to eat for dinner last night? Well, I did swallow a fork. Okay, so he needed the truth of that statement. Here, here's the reality. Whenever we're going to live according to Ephesians 4.29, when we're going to speak to build others up according to their needs, our words always have to be filled with both grace and truth. The reality is that grace-filled words always contain the truth as well. Now, we've been talking a lot about speaking according to the needs of others, but maybe for you, you'd say, you know what, that's great. But what about my needs? I mean, what about people who are going to speak according to my needs? What, what about me? And, and maybe, you know, you're, you're, you're just at a place right now where you're struggling a little bit. You're feeling pretty empty. And if that's you today, I, I want to encourage you to just take a minute and uh, stop whatever else you're doing and really focus in because I want to share some grace-filled words from God that are according to your needs. So um, we're going to kind of look temperament by temperament at some scriptures that really will speak to you. But I want to remind you that you are a mix of all four temperaments, even though you have a primary one. And so if some words from, from the scriptures speak to you, I just want you to receive them if they, if they resonate. Um, so we'll start 
with the yellows. Um, yellows, I want you to know that God sees you. In Luke 12, 7, Jesus says, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God sees you. And God loves you. In Ephesians 1, 4, it says that God chose you before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. God loves you. Blues, God is here for you. Isaiah 40, 29 says that he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And God's hand of protection is upon you. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you. The truth is God is here for you and his hand of protection is powerfully upon you. Greens, God promises to give you that rest that you long for. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And God is blessing your efforts. Matthew 5, 9 says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God is giving you that rest and that peace that you long for. And reds, God is with you. In Proverbs 16, 3, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. God is with you in all that you're planning and leading. And God is also, he's got your back. Psalm 9, 10 says, you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. God is with you, and God has your back in what you're doing. Let me pray for you. Uh, God, we just want to say thank you so much for those grace-filled words that you speak to us. Uh, God, um, we just receive them. We thank you for them. Uh, and we ask, God, that, um, that then as an outflow of your grace-filled words, God, that our words would be filled with grace, that, that we would speak words that would build others up according to their needs. God, please help us. Um, to be students of those around us, particularly our closest relationships, God. Um, and just, just help us to love others well through our words. In Christ's name, amen.